welcome to our uh, next episode of Leading at a Local Level. I'm Tim and uh, my good friend John is with me. Good to see you, Tim. Are we going to have any more of these uh, hand movements in this episode? Oh, well, we need some circular hand movements. I need to find a new hand movement for, today, <laughs> uh, for today's, today's discussion. Well, we, we've been doing a, a week of mental health, um, which may be negatively affecting your mental health if you've listened to all of these. Hopefully it's not. Um, but we've talked, haven't we, about... Uh, we've, what have we talked about, John? Remind us. Yeah, so we talked about um, sort of defining mental health, what is mental health, um, the theology of mental health, the role of the enemy, yeah. um, and then lastly, how we could how can we respond in churches. Right. So today we're going to address really probably the most controversial of subjects. What oh, happens when actually uh, there are some people that are sitting there thinking, I think that, yeah, I get that there are some people that struggle with mental health, but really a lot of it is people just need to get themselves together and pull their socks up. Um, and so, you know, we, we, there's a phrase in the newspapers, it's snowflaking. What, what is snow, what's a snowflake, John? I've never quite understood. Is it oh, it's the, melt, melt easily? Is it under yeah, pressure? Yeah, the frigid, frigid, it's indicating a fragility under pressure, I suppose, which, yeah. Can I say, it's really interesting, right? Because it, it just, you talk about culture, right? The... We've got a few old people in our church. We've got a lady that's 93 or something oh, like that. Wow. And uh, another lady's in her mid-80s and a couple of us. They, their attitude towards COVID was, like, bothered. Like, they were just like, we'll, we'll get the vaccine, whatever. But, you know, to be honest, oh, it's just a fuss, this thing. You know, and their attitude is, like, we've suffered through it. And honestly, they, they, without meaning to be like, during the war, um, <laughs> during the war, but my friend Jim Bailey used to say, during the war. Um, and um, But almost their attitude is like, we've suffered through so much worse than this. Um, like, we're not we're not bothered kind of thing. We can suck it up and go with it. And I do just wonder if we do have a bit of a problem in our culture of almost weak mental weakness. Let's put it like that. Like, we're just mentally not robust. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I don't know if you'd agree with me. I think that... Yeah, I think there's some things we can definitely can affirm. There's been a bit of a swing, hasn't there? Away from, you know... Um, sort of you know just get on with it just kind of stiff up a lip kind of thing yeah and there's been answers we, we're not going to do that in this episode but there are things you can really affirm about that and so that's a good yeah. thing that we're recognizing that we're understanding people better but as with anything the swing can go in the other direction and i would agree with you that in, in some cases that that swing has gone way too far in the other direction where actually yeah more fragile um than ever um, yeah. And I think that can be a problem. And I think, as you say, well, once everything becomes an issue of mental health, the challenge there, of course, is picking out, well, what is mental health? If, it, if it's saying, well, actually, this is a mental health problem, and that's something that's almost can be used as a, as a barrier, you know, saying, well, actually, yeah. don't ask me any more questions about this. Don't challenge me. I'm under yeah. my psychiatrist. Um, I'm going to be medicated for that. We, we, we can get into the realms of being, an, again, over-medicalizing what is more of a holistic uh, sort of life problem that actually should be kind of addressed in community with people. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And I, I think, I mean, I'm seeing it with different people that you lead and actually the, often the people that are the most reliable uh, and the ones that are able to really carry through with things and do things that are difficult are the older generations and the younger yeah. generations seem to find it very easy to, you know, to be flaky. Yeah. 
um, to yeah. use that that expression. Yeah. Almost when pressure when the pressure turns up, they can't you know they when you can't stand the heat get out of the kitchen. Well, there's no one in the mm. kitchen, and so nothing's mm. getting cooked often. Um, and that's not to say that younger generation. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about generations and the difference between generations. Yeah. And there are many creative things and yep. way that young people think at the moment. I think is really helpful. Absolutely. In this particular area around being resilient and robust, that's clearly an issue. So how is the leaders then? So so let's have what John why. Maybe it's helpful to think about what it is that is causing these problems. What are the kind yeah. of cultural themes that are kind of creating this mental fragility that is unhelpful? We know, yeah. you know, that is not medical and is just, you know, an issue. So yeah. know you, you want to talk about something called safetyism, don't you? Yeah, well, let's talk about safetyism. I think we've got we've got three. So let's start with uh, with safetyism. Um, and this was uh, this was coined in a book called The Coddling of the American Mind um, by um, oh, I've gone completely blank as to who one of my heroes uh, who wrote who wrote that book. Um, Greg, Greg, someone, is Greg Lukian, Greg Lukianov, um, and I'll, it'll come back to me in in just a moment. But yeah, this is they, they describe this epidemic in society. Um, of of safetyism, this, this this cult of safety, and the idea about safetyism is is it's the idea that if you remove all threats, you know, it's, you're basically removing everything that might make you feel physically endangered, but actually also actually be emotionally endangered. Yeah. Um, and so actually, it's the, the result is that, and they say, is that you can get people who are more fragile, more anxious, more prone to seeing themselves as victims. And what, what happens is that safety becomes a value. Every culture has values that they hold up one above the other. And safety has been pushed right to the top, I believe, yes. of, yeah, of yeah. the pile. So it basically says safety trumps every other value, no matter how trivial or even unlikely the danger might be. We've got to be safe and i sometimes you know i see you know, the, the signs around uh, around covid and I, I, I do get it and i'm not by no means a covid denier of complete belief that it's real and it, it infects people and has done a huge harm but it's amazing how you know the the, the the stay safe sign has been the cultural mantra you know stay yeah. safe stay safe be safe you know wear your mask to keep others safe and it's like well how safe can we be and that's one of the big big debates isn't it um, yeah, and so i think it's yeah it's like the health and safety. People say health and safety culture gone mad, don't they? That's mm. that's kind of their classic, yeah. you know, like we can't do anything now. I mean, we used to run, you and I went to a youth camp, a boys camp, um, and we used to do rifle shooting, um, which was shooting little, little tiny pellets. But, you know, the insurance company wouldn't let us do it after a while because it was deemed to be mm. not safe. It was perfectly safe. No one in, in all of the years that they've been doing it, not once had anyone even got slightly injured. Um, you know, it's just, but we must... You know, we must keep people safe. Must keep people safe, and it's it's it's. A, I think about my kids. Same thing with your kids, John. You know, I can yeah. see how that's impacted me with my children, my parenting. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. The desire to buffer from anything that might make us emotionally feel unsafe, and that that stems from a well-being culture. You know, that says actually our, our biggest priority in life is our is our well-being, um, and that you know, so that plays out in so many ways, doesn't it? You know, avoid toxic people. You know, buffer yourself. Anything that might lower your your self-esteem. Um, you're going to be positive. Um, so the the, the well-being culture, when it's then threatened, when your well-being is then threatened, we get this this safetyism. You know, and actually we have to to be to be safe. Um, that actually emotional danger is the same as 
as, as physical danger. Yeah. Um, and that, that's huge. And particularly for our younger generations, I think we see that. So I think that's, that's one thing that we see that, that drives the, the, the mental health, I guess, la- labeling, I suppose, and calling things, putting everything in the mental health basket, saying, you know, I, I've been injured by that and it's impacting my mental health. Yeah, I think it just it's it's yeah. I mean, it's 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 definitely. I mean, I definitely see it my, when you talk about it. I see it in my my own parenting. You know, like if I think yeah. about what my parents were like. I mean, you and I, obviously, we you know, you know, we we talk we talk about this on a regular basis on this podcast. You know, our, yeah. our long standing friendship. But I remember going up to the woods with you. You know, on our own. Mm. You know, age eight or nine, or well, maybe nine or ten, going up in the woods with pen knives. Um, to build bases in Oxley's Woods. Um, do you remember that? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and we were allowed to go off on our own. I mean, nowadays, the thought of sending my eight-year-old or nine-year-old or 10-year-old up to the woods with a knife to build things, what would... would I mean, I oh, think I would struggle with that. Like, I would find it pretty hard. And statistically, it's safer. So this is Moynihan's law, which says, you know, the better things get, the worse things that they may, they may seem. And actually, we, we think that it's worse and the more kind of evil people out on the street actually it's, it's safer than ever actually yeah. is safer than ever to send our kids up the road i think that's influenced by uh, our kind of 24 7 media culture so we're bombarded by news you know from places and it's, it's the overwhelmers that we become numb to we can't control them you know and before this 24 7 kind of news cycle before twitter and everything we we weren't so aware of all those things we're not built as humans to be aware and um, to take on so much load if you like and so emotionally we have this it, this exaggerated sense of unsafety, I suppose, of danger. Don't you you think some of this comes down to control? So like, I suppose as we've got wealthier, as we've got medically more advanced, there's a kind of an illusion that the devil, I think, you know, has uh, sort of spread into our culture. Somehow we are in control of our safety. Um, And I know that, you know, we, but in reality, we're not that control of our our safety, really. We're not. And, and, you know, we seem to think we have more power than we do, I suppose. And I suppose that. Yeah, we can control yeah. everything. So we can control the, you know, life and death. So at yeah, the beginning of life, we can control when a baby's born. So we're just used to being in control. The big arguments around end of life, we should, you know, therefore we should be able to control. We, we're used to being in control. Or, or when we feel out of control, yeah. COVID, COVID is a great example of this. We look to external authorities to bring that control for us. We look yeah. for external authorities to make us safe. So the government will make us safe. You know, lockdowns will mean that we're safe and, and it, my doctor will make sure that I'm safe. And so that's why there's outrage when there's a failing by a politician or by a doctor, because your safety, you know, your health, that bed reserved for you in the ITU in case you get COVID really badly. That is the number one priority in our society. Safety. So how, how does that affect someone in a mental health capacity? How, how has that reaped damage in, in, our, in our kind of people that we're leading? Yeah, and I, well, I think yeah, evidence shows that when you become, when you try and look, go for safety, that actually we're not as safe as we imagine. So if you take the, the whole the lockdown, for example, what we see coming out of lockdowns is that all these viruses that weren't able to circulate before, you know, the immunity is lower. I deal with kids. So we're seeing in a summertime, it's like winter because right. all these kids are now being exposed to these viruses and they're perhaps a little bit worse. Fortunately, they're not too sick. But we know that you're, you're likely to get more sick um, if you haven't been exposed to something, if you're exposed to it later. So actually, you know, it's, it's an illusion because, 
you know, we, we become more, we become less able to handle the, the, the threats. And I think that's a physical example, but similarly mentally, yeah, mentally evidence, exactly. evidence shows us that you're actually making people more fragile. So our yeah. younger generation are more fragile, are, are more prone to depression and anxiety, massively so. Um, and some of that's real depression, real anxiety, but it's just that they're, the threshold has been lowered. So if you like that, that's triggered those feelings of, of hopelessness. I spoke about the last one, they're horrible, but those, those feelings of yeah, hopelessness and despair so are triggered much earlier because actually you haven't got the emotional resources to deal with it. Does that, is, that, is that what you see? To, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think I see that in, in young people that just feel like they're, Mm -hmm. they're, yeah, they're told all the time that things need to be wonderful and things need to be, you know, they need to be safe. And, and, and it's like, they don't learn, like I've got a boss that's difficult and therefore he's toxic. So I need yeah. to leave. Um, it's like, well, we've all had difficult bosses, you know, like, but you just had to get on with it. And I think now, yeah. you know, and, and you see it, you know, I started to see it a bit when I left my, you know, I work full time for the church now, but you know, you could use the phrase, you know, people, someone can use the phrase in a disciplinary hearing, you know, it was, this person was was affecting my mental health and it's actually like and maybe they were but i just think there's a weakness there that's come in that, that we need to as leaders we need to challenge gently and this is the key isn't it how do you challenge this how do you challenge that john how do you you recognize this person has got an unhealthy obsession with safety yeah. and, and i say obsession maybe an unhealthy kind of emphasis on safety yeah. how do we as a leader challenge someone in that yeah well, it has, it has to be personally. So if, we, if we're getting into keyboard warrior territory where we're challenging each other, I mean, it's just a disaster. Um, so it's got to be relational. People got to know we're for them. We're not so, just John, John is, it, is it not acceptable for me just to send an email to that person <laughs> telling them to get over it? No. All right. Okay. Definitely not. Yeah. Take it back. <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't do anything like that. Yeah. Um, but no, we've got to be relational. So it's got to, people got to know that we're for them. We're not just kind of ranting about our political point of view. So yes. depoliticize it, you know, um, and actually oh, so really cool. that's so helpful yeah depoliticize yeah, yeah definitely absolutely. because if, if you're known for taking a really strong um and we've, we've done a bit of posting on social media but if you're known for really strong views on certain things that's going to affect the way you're going to be able to lead people just to say that so we've got, yeah. we've got to be able to, to do that so i think it's that i think secondly it's just saying just being confident enough to know a little bit about some of the research around this. So post-traumatic growth is quite a big area of research. It shows that people become stronger after suffering through a traumatic experience. Right. Okay. So, and, and that's what CBT is based on. So actually being exposed to things actually does help us become less fragile in the future. Right. So be confident, be confident about that in the science, if you like. And I think thirdly, you know, biblically, and let us point people to, what the Bible says about safety and being really harsh about it. I mean, Simon Gilbo, um, who's a missionary from Bur in Burundi, um, he's got a great phrase where um, he says, you know, we are safe you know, in life and in death. We're safe. So actually, as a Christian, it's, it sounds a bit basic, but as a Christian, actually, there's no such thing as real safety. No. But actually, the real safety comes in knowing that we're, we're you know, we're the Lord's and knowing that actually whether we're alive or whether we're dead, you know, he would go down a road filled with armed militias and he said, well, I'm confident, I'm not going to be completely foolish, but I'm also confident that God will take me at my time. Um, yeah. And God won't allow anything to happen to me that isn't in his plan. Yeah. So I think just reminding people of theological truths that actually, what, what does the Bible say about safety? Let's talk about what safety is. And I think you'll find less there about safety than, than we might expect. I mean, what, what, how about you? I mean, you're from a pastoral perspective. Yeah, I think one thing that I'm beginning to do more and more in terms of this is talk about you know how we become strong mm -hmm. you know talking about it in a positive context what's yeah. the key to strength in this age 
and realizing the the you know, how do you become strong and trying to emphasize it not as a not as a negative but as a positive so i think trying to maybe preaching sermons you know and counseling talk you know when you know one-to-one you know coffees and meetups is the lord wants the lord you know we the, the lord is you know it's in our weakness that we're strong so we recognize yeah. that god yeah. we don't have to come with lots of strength but we can oh hello heidi Heidi's in the background. Can she hear you? There we are. She just wanted to. She can't hear you. But she's, yeah, yeah, looking indeed. Never mind. <laughs> yes. um, uh, but yeah, so um, uh, we have, yeah, I've lost, lost my train of thought now, John. <laughs> right. Your wife interrupting our problem. How dare she interrupt? I think she's got her. work stuff to get. So that's hey, fine. Well, we'll excuse her, you know. But <laughs> yeah, I think trying to, trying to have this whole language around being strong, what it means to be strong and not, and because I think the culture talks encourages you to be weak. It almost encourages you to recognize that you're struggling and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. We're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Since when have you been pathetic and weak? It's not, you're not like that. You haven't got to be macho. But I, I think trying to encourage people to be confident, to be, know who you are. And I think that that's key, really. And I think, you know, we've got to emphasize that. Um, well, the, the status isn't there in victimhood. So I think, and, and attention, and I think that's where a lot of things come down to is people are crying out for, for attention, for love. Aren't we all? Like, we all are, of course we are. But when you find that, when you find the affirmation is when, when you acknowledge, you know, in, in your vulnerability and your weakness by being a victim, by having victim status, yeah. that's the culture that we're in. And that's a profound, you know, profoundly different to the culture that we see in the gospel, where we find our identity and our purpose and our meaning and our security and our safety if you like um in in the gospel and god himself and and we, we need to keep keep going on that you know week by week day by day drip feed drip feed drip feed this is the gospel yeah. and it's good news countercultural and it's good news because it works let me tell you yeah. it is a blind alley the way our culture is going it doesn't yeah. work scientifically it doesn't work but we know we know just intuitively it doesn't work so let's be confident about it Absolutely, absolutely. So what? So safety is an issue. I, I would yeah. say another issue, John, is obsession with self. Yeah, so I, I talk a lot. You hear the number. I mean, and it's almost become a good thing now. You notice how the devil is twisted. You know, yeah. self empowerment, self actualization. Yeah. You know, self awareness. Believe in yourself. Self, believe in yourself. Yeah, you can do it. yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, I suppose if I'm being brutally honest, and I may be being slightly controversial, <laughs> but I think I think that all mental health issues are an over obsession with self. Mm. Um, you know, if you're depressed, you're basically kind of you're obsessed with yourself. And now, some of that, as we said, is medical and some of that's kind of trauma so it's not necessarily that the person is entirely at fault in that case but really that my experience of mental health people they can't stop thinking about themselves how they've been wronged how what's happened to them about their sense of self-worth and so i think we need to challenge that hard that whole self-obsession and, and create cultures in churches and this is the key does your church culture create a self-obsession does what you preach on a sunday promote self like so it's in the hymns you sing right yeah. are you singing songs this is why i have a problem with a yeah. lot of modern songs they're emphasizing emphasizing self now that's okay in, in, a, in moderation but if that's a if that's a major emphasis of your ministry you're going to create very mentally weak people yeah. um i think if you if you're if your preaching is all about you know you've got to find freedom jesus wants to set you free and all these sort of things which which is great but it's it's self-focused i guess yeah. um you know in your pastoral counseling in your leadership yeah. if you're trying to always talk about self-empowerment and all this sort of stuff and I, i've done some of this stuff i'm not sure it really helps 
Yeah. I think that for me, I'm sorry, I'm suddenly starting to wrench on a yeah, point. Yes, no, no, but, but it's like, I think we need a culture which emphasizes service, right? Yeah. How, who can you serve? It's not about you. Don't join the church to, to, for you. Join the church to serve. And I think we need to emphasize this language. It's tough, but I think in the end it will yield results. The other thing we need to emphasize is, is the biblical truth that if a grain of wheat wants to, is to produce fruit, it needs to fall in the ground and die, right? Mm-hmm. My, my dad used to love to preach that message. And I think we've got quite a lot of strong people in River that have really come through with the Lord. And I think we emphasize that truth. My dad particularly emphasized this. If you yeah. want to go on with the Lord, you've got to lay down your life. Yeah. You know, he who desires to save his life will lose it. He desire, he's willing to lose it, will we'll find it. And I think, yeah. I think we've got to, those are such countercultural messages, but they're so important that we need yeah. to preach, we need to sing them, we need to counsel them, we need to uh, model them. It's just, to me, we've got to counteract this selfish culture. And yeah. on that, end rent. End rent. No, 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 I agree with you. And I think the culture of self is so real. Um, I think what, what we sometimes think as in church leadership is we think, well, but we need to love people. And that means ex- accepting them. And that, that means not challenging. And I think that's, that's the other thing linked to the culture of self is that we, we are so obsessed with it, if you like, that yeah. we yeah. start to, to, we've taken the re- society's redefinition of words like yeah. freedom, you know, uh, free to do what we want rather than what we're created for or, yeah. or love, you know, love is basically just accepting people and condoning anything. Well, again, that's not biblical love. I mean, biblical yeah. love is, is, is kind of got its nice parts, but it's got its tough parts as well. Um, and that's, that's where we need to go back to what God's word says about the, you know, about the word love. God defines what love is, not our society, yeah. not yeah. celebrities. It's God who decides what love is. And so actually to love people well, when they come with, you know, struggling with mental health problems is that we actually do need to be full of grace, but full of truth. And oh, we need to be pointing people to this, you know, to the truth that actually this isn't a self-improvement gospel. It's not a self-actualization gospel. Yeah. It's not about the self. As you say, it's about service. It's about self-denial. It's about yes. self-control. Absolutely. And these things, these are ridiculed in our society. Why would you want to teach self-control? Why do you want to teach self-denial? That's just so harmful. But actually, again, sorry, go back to the science. Like it's not harmful. It's profoundly healthy. In fact, if you want to, if you want to find your life, lose your life. Okay. Yes. A famous person said that, didn't he? Yeah, I'm sure that's what Jesus said, right? Yeah, if, if you want to, if you want to save yourself, then then lose your life. And actually, we know this is true in our experience. We know it's true in all the scientific studies that actually, when we focus on other people, when we actually lay ourselves down for other people, um, that that's where we find true life. It's giving. I mean, it's a great blog from tim challies who both you and i you and i read a fantastic blog you know about he's basically saying stop focusing on yourself and what you can get and how you can develop and just go out there and give and as you give you're going to find real joy you're going to find real contentment absolutely oh amen i love love that message john because i think that's so important and i think this is where it's a challenge to you if you're leading a local level in a church right our our hope is to equip you um and and create healthy churches right yeah Um, that's what we want to do and healthy churches are going to reach the world with the gospel and i think that so much we need to get back to preaching counter-cultural messages i was reading yesterday right where where in in, uh, and basically paul says about the gospel being offensive the gospel is an offense 
right? And we don't want to be offensive for the sake of it. But the, as you said, the message of self-denial. Like, are you calling people out? We need to get tougher as leaders in calling people out, I think, and saying, no, you know, it's not about just what you want or what, you know, it's about denying yourself. It's about serving others. And, and I, I, I just think we need to have church cultures which emphasize these things. Um, and and I, it's not easy. I don't, I mean, I could, I suppose I could talk a little bit about how we do that in our church. Because um, yeah. we do, we emphasize that in our church. Yeah, how how do you do that? So, so one of the things we, we talk a lot about is like, is, is often people will come to me and they'll say things like, oh, I don't want to do it because, I don't know, I don't really feel like it kind of thing. Okay. And I'm like, I, I, immediately my challenge is nearly always, but how can you serve someone else through doing that? Yeah. How can you serve someone? And it's, it's, it, a lot of it is direct challenge, to be honest. And it's trying yeah. to emphasize that you need to come and you need to serve other people. It's not about, you know, I don't enjoy home group. Well, you know, yeah, maybe you don't enjoy home group mm-hmm. that much. How can you see that as an opportunity to serve someone else in that environment? You know, I don't like Zoom church. Well, none of us like Zoom church, but how can you participate in Zoom church to help serve someone else? And I think we just try and reinforce that again and again. You have to serve others. And and I think it is countercultural, and there are going to be people that leave your churches because of it. But I think in the end, it, it will prove to be the strength because I mean, I don't know what you think, John, but I think things could get a lot more challenging for the church mm-hmm. in the years to come and our freedoms could get restricted. I'm not saying it will, but I think it's, it's possible. You could see how it'd be possible for the church's freedoms to be restricted. And then it's the tough that are going to make it through and the weak won't. And actually how are you preparing your church to be strong? Yeah. Um, you know, to be yeah, tough, to stand up against it. And it isn't going to be easy. You know, those when the church has faced persecution, it is totally about self-denial and service, you know. So, yeah. sorry. Again, I'm no. on rant mode today. Sorry. No, it's good. I mean, I'm aware of time. I think you, you've touched on it already, really. I think the third kind of driver, I think, for some of this these things is, is, is the kind of... Um, sort of emotionalism yeah um, absolutely. another term for that is and i'll put in the show notes a very helpful um podcast on the affective revolution so it's an affective with an a so affect affects the way we feel yeah. and that, that is driving a lot of philosophy kind of in our society which is driving the way that we feel and the way that we respond and we say well actually i'm driven by how i feel today yeah. um and that can have real impacts on sort of our mood we can sort of overly judge you know when we're up and when we're down so we just sometimes need to be aware of that but if when we're responding to feelings all the time that actually how i you know who i feel is who i am if you like or i feel therefore i am that's that's really where we're at um away from the Descartes, you know, I think therefore I am, we've really moved from that yeah. kind of cognitive to the kind of the feeling. We just need to be aware of that. And again, there are some positives in that, you know, God's given us feelings. We affirm that, we affirm that feelings are, are, are good. They're good, originally good, but they can lead us in all sorts of directions when we're driven by our feelings. And we, we talked about in the last episode, when we, if we just constantly don't feel like we, God loves us, then we then there can be a problem but actually for people who are struggling with severe depression that might be a real reality yeah of where they're at and actually we need to affirm in the lack of you know lack of feelings but i mean just as we i I was sort of closing to it is that fair how how do we sort of address you know the whole the the feelings side of things in in church again i think it comes down to the gospel doesn't it Mm -hmm. what we're talking about is preaching the gospel is that it's it's not what you feel it's what's true yeah. Um, that matters and we we have we've lost our way with that now i think as a as a society it's like if i feel it it must be truth 
Um, but it isn't necessarily that's the case. And that's why we have got such problems. I totally agree with you. So I think it's preaching the gospel. You've got to preach the gospel, preach it in the pulpit, preaching what you sing, preaching what you counsel. You've just got to preach truth. And, and to the point that preach the uncomfortable bits, you know, preach the difficult bits, just preach truth, preach things that are hard to hear. Um, and, it, you know, your church may, may even, you know, find that difficult, but you, you want to crack culture. I mean, I think, I guess, and I know your, I think your church does this a bit, John, but, um, you know, but we try and emphasize the Bible. Anyone new, any, any new converts, we say to them, like, we believe the Bible. We do our best to follow the Bible. We, you know, we, we do our best to live by the word of God in the Bible. That's our truth point. If you want to know if what we're saying is right, you go to the Bible and see if it's true. Um, and so we're always emphasizing that truth. And we really want to be evangelical um, yeah. in our understanding of God's word. And, and that's under attack. Well, it is because truth, truth, you know, truth is out there. We see truth as out there. It's external to us. It has authority. Whereas actually today in culture, we're told truth is in here. Yeah. Um, you know, this I have authority to make my decisions. And, and so it's yeah. radical. We're saying, you know, bend the knee to an external source of reality. Yeah, um, and we need to keep keep going. And it's tough. And I think, yeah, for the, anyone, who's, anyone who is listening or watching us, just want to encourage you just to, to keep going. Yeah. Um, because it's it's worth it. In the end, it's worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But our role as leaders is to challenge. Mm. And I think if we, we must also care. So we've talked in the first four episodes about care. Absolutely. But I think there is also a role as the leaders to challenge. Absolutely. To challenge. You need to challenge a safety in some culture. You need to challenge an obsession with self. You need to challenge emotion over truth. And and and, it, and that's going to hurt you as a leader. It's going to cost you. Yeah. Um, but I think in the end, that's what you need to do if you really want to be effective as a leader over time. Mm. Um, so, John, we're going to wind it up there. We have done a whole yeah. week. People are probably bored. If you've managed to listen to all five of these talks and got to this point, well done. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll send you a special Leading at a Local Level sticker. <laughs> we're not going to do that we don't have stickers um so um but yeah it's well done if you guys that hopefully you found it helpful if you want to write to us you can get in touch with the details that are going to come on just in a moment um you know we'd love you to subscribe and like these kind of videos if they're helpful share them with other people um if you want us to come in and support you as a church as a leader you know we just want to be a help to equip leaders don't we john um, we want to help churches be healthy if we can do that in any way if we can serve you in any way then please just do get in touch but yeah thank you john yeah thanks uh, tim no it's been good and uh, we look forward to to the next episode whenever that may be cheers bye for now bye yeah.